Hello and welcome to another episode of Stolen Droids Presents. Uh, I am here with uh, CEO of Dan Farr Productions and the founder of Salt Lake Comic Con, Dan Farr. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, glad, to, glad to be uh, interviewed here. Now, we, we are huge fans of, of you and what you've done uh, at Stolen Droids. Um, not that you've done it at Stolen Droids, but, but your work uh, <laughs> specifically... Uh, with Salt Lake Comic Con. Last year was the inaugural convention. And is it safe to say that it was a little bit more successful than you expected? Absolutely. Um, we, we were fortunate enough to have early indicators that it was going bigger than we had started off thinking it would be. We had originally expected between, you know, maybe eight and 8,000 to 15,000 people, and we started out at the Southtown Convention Center, and we had one hall with an option on a second, and that you know that that's where we thought, okay, this this would be a good first year start, and very quickly, based on initial ticket sales, we were able to say, okay, let's go to three halls, and then four, and then pretty soon we realized we were too big for the Southtown Convention Center, and uh, moved it all downtown. And, uh, but still, I, I will say that, uh, we were still surprised, even though we had enough indicators that this was going to be big, we were still surprised when the, you know, the final outcome came in with, uh, you know, around 70,000 people. Yeah, I was actually there for all three days, I believe. And yeah, all three days, it was a three day event. So I was there the whole time. And I recall on Saturday afternoon, there were so many people in the convention center that the insulation from the ceiling was snowing down on us from just the sheer vibrations of the people and the noise in the building. So it was, it was quite impressive. You did, you did well. <laughs> well, I, and, and really the credit goes to, this great community. We, we've got so many amazing people. You know, so the fans here are better than anywhere, and it's really it's the fans that made this happen. You know, it's the fans that came out early with early support and ticket sales uh, that allowed us to. You know, it, it, there's there's a gamble when you do something like this, and you continue to kind of parlay your your bet as it goes along. And you know, the more ticket sales that we had allowed us to say, okay, let's take a gamble and book William Shatner. And we're like, oh, man, okay, let's do it. And then we booked him, and then the support of ticket sales that came in after we had William Shatner gave us support to continue to book other people. And then ultimately, when we got up to the event, uh, being able to get Stan Lee here was based on us hitting, you know, 35,000 uh, tickets and, and a little nudge from Lou Frigno, and uh, that's what it took. And... Uh, Ultimately, that that's kind of the the final pop that the event needed to to have such a strong turnout. Now, I want to come back to to some of the guests and some of your last minute um, excitement that you had with the last time in in reference to what we have coming up in just a few days here. But the success of Comic Con, the the inaugural Salt Lake Comic Con was very apparent right off the bat. I remember Saturday night as everyone's taking their booths down, rumors were flowing through the convention center saying, well, Dan has booked the entire floor for next year already. And I don't know if that was the case or not, 
but obviously um, you have booked it. <laughs> and yeah. we have another convention coming up here in just a few minutes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about FanX? Well, the first thing I tell people about FanX is, you know, it's really it's Comic-Con fan experience. And that for them to expect more of what they saw in September, and it's, it, you know, there's more similarities than there are differences. And if they, uh, you know, fan experience, we, we came up with that name for a couple of reasons. One is we just wanted an excuse to, to do two a year. <laughs> so we had to have a different name. Uh, but it also gave us a little more latitude in the name. Uh, it, it allows us to try some things like the KitCon area, and we've got more emphasis on video gaming and, and things like that. And we also have... Um, some different celebrities that may not necessarily be hardcore Comic Con, you know, comic book uh, guests, but we've kind of uh, expanded the genre a bit, like with Mickey Dolan's from the Monkees. Who knows? Maybe there was a Monkees comic book that somebody has uh, from back in the day, but you know, for the most part, you don't think of Mickey Dolan's as a uh, as a uh, Comic Con uh, type guest usually, um, and so. That, that's really what the fan experience has become to us. It's just really this this opportunity for, uh, you know, a bit of expansion. But uh, it also, the name, it becomes a little more descriptive for people when they, you know, Comic-Con, unless you're kind of in the no group of what Comic-Con is, a lot of people, you'd be surprised at how many people don't know what the, what a Comic-Con is, before, you know, especially before what we did one here. And so fan experience kind of becomes a little more descriptive to the fans, you know, fans of all pop culture and genres. And so that, but it also has become a mission statement for us as a team that we want to create the best fan experience possible. Great. Now, you mentioned that this was a, partly an excuse to do two conventions a year. I've, I've had a few of our listeners actually bring up a concern to me regarding this. And this is something that I wondered as well, is with doing multiple conventions like this every year, do you think that fans in the Intermountain West are going to get burned out on these types of events? Do you think that they're going to lose their special nature, so to speak? There is always a risk that that can happen. You know, that's obviously a concern that we had in making the decision to do this. We, we, you know, we, we did feel like we had a little more latitude this year because we're still really kind of in that first year. Um, we want to see how fans react. If for some reason we start getting indications that, that we are doing too much for fans that way, if it, if it has become too common, then, you know, we could always return to just having one event a year. But the one thing that, that, give us the confidence that it, that isn't the case is, you know, first of all, really the, the true fans that I've seen, they, they wish that the event would have extended for another two weeks, or if there would have been a Comic-Con the following weekend, they would have gone to it. Um, it just seems like, you know, I, I would say from a, a show producer standpoint, I, I think the risk is more on, not necessarily from the fans, but it's more from the vendors. Therefore, there's not enough vendors to support two events, but so far we've already sold out you know, over 60% of the four 
for September. And so there's clearly, um, we'll have no problem selling out the exhibit hall in uh, September. And then the other thing is keeping the event fresh and having new guests and having, you know, it, it really does come down to what are people going to see that's different than the last event. And uh, so we are, you know, we're going to monitor it very closely. But I'd say one other component is we felt that for every one person that made it, you know, as big as that crowd was, that there's five or ten others that now that they know what, or at least heard from their friends about the event or whatever, that they they would want to attend the event. So I, I think that the bigger thing here is, is these pop culture, Comic-Con, you know, fan experience events, they're so much bigger than what traditionally has been happening with them in, in other cities. You know, they generally they, they do only reach the no groups, the people that know what they are, and the, the super fans. But the reality is the, they are so much broader, and they do reach into so many different uh, genres and, and people that... I, our, our belief is that that uh, that a city our size, but that even you know other cities that they all have more room for uh, for more events like this. You know, there, there are places like Dallas, Texas, which obviously is a bigger city, but they do multiple Comic Con events. I mean, it's almost like it seems like there's a Comic Con in Dallas every other week. <laughs> uh-huh. So. <laughs> You know, we're not going to get to that level where we're going to saturate the market uh, beyond that. But, we, you know, we're going to gauge things closely and listen to the fans. And if the fans are saying, hey, this is too much, we'll just go back. But, you know, right now the indication is that uh, two a year is, is very safe. I, I, hope that, I hope that that's correct because, honestly, I love these things. They're so much fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, being a – I'm a fan as well as – I don't know. You could call me press, I guess, but I'm a fan first and foremost, and I love just going to these things. So, I, you know, I, I really hope that they do continue to be successful and we get more and more and more. <laughs> now, yeah. you had mentioned um, other cities, Dallas um, specifically, but w- another thing that some of our listeners have brought up is they've been to some conventions in other cities. They've been to Emerald City. They've been to San Diego they've they've seen these other comic cons and one thing that they have mentioned to me and honestly they're not real happy about is the fact that you're bringing in these epic guests um and then charging extra for their panels i mean this time we've got we've got the star trek next generation cast with william shatner and and carl urban and a few other star trek guests and it's an extra fee to attend that event. Last time in September, it was the William Shatner Adam West panel that you had to pay extra for. How do you respond to criticisms for having to pay extra to attend these panels where fans are saying, well, it doesn't happen at other conventions? Well, if people have been to Emerald City, there are extracurricular events there. You know, there was a, a, uh, I think last year they did a uh, special screening with Adam West and Burt Ward to see the original Batman movie, and um, you know that was an extra ticketed event. And I, I believe that they've um, 
done some other ones there, and, and, it, and it happens a lot of different cities. You know, this particular Star Trek event, it was there was a very similar one that they had a couple weeks ago in, uh, well, I don't remember what city, it's a, a city in the Midwest where they had you know, the same players that, that did a ticketed event. Ultimately, that's, that's kind of the cost that comes to us from these these guests. You know, that's ultimately the guests come to different cities because they sell autographs, they sell photo ops. Some of them will do special ticketed meet and greets or do ticketed events, and and ultimately we just be kind of become the platform for that. You know, we try to fill in and produce as much as we can that's included in the normal ticketing. Uh, process. You know, they, they, you know, we have as far as programming at the event. There's hundreds of hours of, pro, of, of programming that's included with the ticket price. So, really, to have this unique event, it it is the only way that it's going to happen is if people are willing to pay extra because because that's that's what makes it happen. And that, frankly, that that's what brought this whole group here. You know, we probably would have been lucky to get a couple of them to come had we not been willing to do this extra ticketed event. And so, you know, we do try to keep as much as we can included in the fee, but there are some premium events that uh, make sense to, to charge for so that so that we can make them happen. Okay. Th- thanks for addressing that. I appreciate your, your candor there. Sure. Um, as far as guests, talking about guests while we're on the subject, on April Fool's Day, you made a few different announcements. Um, <laughs> Richard Simmons and Paula Dean were announced as guests, and everybody that I know just kind of looked at their computer screen. It was done early in the morning. People weren't ready for the April Fool's jokes to start flying yet, and there was just utter confusion on so many people's faces. I personally thought it was hilarious. You then announced yeah. Bacon would be a guest. Everybody loves Bacon. And then you announced Nathan Fillion as a guest. And people didn't quite know how to respond to this. Now, it turns out you came out the next day and said Nathan Fillion is, in fact, a guest. How did you, how did you score a guest of that magnitude? I'll tell you. In this uh, events, you know, going back to last year when we were able to get Stanley at the last minute, you know, the serendipity of that was just phenomenal. Um, this this with Nathan Chilion was was amazing too. You know, we we had to, um, you know, a couple weeks back we had to announce that Norman Reedus uh, had filming commitments and had to cancel our event, and Lavar Burton had canceled it, and so. There's kind of a bit of a downer going on with people. I mean, we still have so many great guests, but they're just, it's like every guest we announce, somebody says, okay, this is the tipping point. This is why I want to be there because this person. And so obviously guests at that level, you're going to have a a number of people that are disappointed that they have to uh, cancel. And so at that time, we put up a poll and we said, okay, so if we wanted to go after somebody, who would you like us to go after? Give us some input. And so people came out. I mean, we had, I don't know, 6,000 votes or some some huge number of people voting 
and Nathan Filion was on the top of that list. And I, and I had reached out to Nathan's people before and found out that he, um, you know, they, we were told that well, he'll be busy filming and we won't be able to to uh, get him. And when that happened again, I decided to take another run at it. And I told him, and I used that as, hey, he's the number one voted on guest that our fans want. And that helped to, to, I guess, become the tipping point that he'd be willing to book. And so this was literally coming together leading into April Fool's Day. So it was like I got the verbal on it the day before, and then, which means, you know, to me, until, you know, the, the, the deals are really inked and they, they give us permission to advertise was on April Fool's Day. And the um, so we we were literally, when people saw that announcement with Nathan Chilion, it was put in literally like five minutes after we got to be okay to advertise. And when we, I mean, it was that quick. And so if we, if we had planned this months in advance, we couldn't have come up with a better plan. You know, because cause it was fun to, to kind of have the teasers up front and then be able to, you know, because it all started coming together later in the day to be able to say, hey, let's announce Nathan, but let's just put a hashtag April Fool's joke on there. And so that people were, will ask the question, okay, wait, now is this a joke? Because they just, you know, they said bacon and that was funny and all that. And, you know, Paula Dean and Richard Simmons, yeah, we, we're getting a joke. Okay, is this an April Fool's joke? And then, then the threats came out. Well, if it is an April Fool's joke, this is the meanest joke you guys could play. You know, you know it's like, of course, I mean, I, I'll tell you, we wouldn't have played an April Fool's joke on that magnitude if I didn't have them. But I, I'll tell you, the joke came back around to me. You know, when, when the manager saw that this post went out, he called me and he said, Hey, Dan, i got to tell you, he goes, he goes, hopefully you haven't announced this yet. I said, What? What do you mean? Dan, I'm sorry about this, but they just told me that Nathan's got a film project. And I said, please tell me you're pulling my leg. And, and so he, he, he literally got me on that. And I mean, my heart starts pounding. And I'm just hoping, you know, I know the, the guy, and I was just hoping that, that he may be teasing me, but there's that, that element of doubt that this could be, you know, this could be another thing which would totally blow up and be terrible if that would have happened. And so, he, so anyway, the joke came back on me with that one so that's awesome i love that i love that now we're almost out of time here um couple quick more questions for you you've been hinting at another big guest do you care to give us any inside scoop any illusions as to who that may be well kind of like this roller coaster ride i we have um we have indications that there's actually, uh, you know, two or three people that are very close to confirming with us, but none of them have signed on yet. And so we, we are kind of taking the Nathan Chilean approach where let's ask the fans, get some feedback. And, you know, you've got uh, Patrick Stewart who's topping the list now. You know, Nathan Chilean used to be the head of that poll, but once we got him, then people started voting on the next guest, and Patrick Stewart was number two on that list. He was very close second, and you know, obviously, we would take any of the top 
guests, so we take all of them, you know. And so, um, hopefully, we don't end up with a goose egg on that one. But uh, you know, that that could happen. But there's there's you know good indication that there's several people who may be able to, you know, one of them may be able to make it. Well, best of luck in in getting that last big fish there, or big fishes oh, as yeah. it may be. Um, now you're expecting what hundred thousand guests. April 17th to 19th at the Salt Palace. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. And are tickets that, still available? That's what we're anticipating, yeah. And, and ticket sales so far are are supporting that. Okay, great. Um, and so tickets are still available then. And where yes, can fans get out, their tickets? VIPs. VIP has sold out. So, uh, you know, there, there will be, at some point, we're, we're going to have to stop selling tickets too if, you know, we get to a point where we feel we have more, um, you know, people that we can handle. We'll have to stop selling tickets. No, <laughs> well, that that could be both good and bad. So the moral of the story is: don't wait to get your tickets. I guess. Exactly. And yeah, and it helps us too. If people buy their tickets now. That does give us that extra element of uh, of support that we could. We do. We tell all the managers, "Hey, we're at this number." We've had to sell this many tickets, and, and that becomes the supporting element that their their guests will do well at our show. Now, where can fans buy their tickets? The easiest place is saltlakecomiccon.com. And so if they just go to our website, um, that, that's, that's where we're set up to sell the tickets. Okay, great. And they can find out all the schedule, all the guests, anything they really need to know is all at saltlakecomiccon.com. So, well, Dan, I appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your busy schedule. I know you've been doing press like crazy. I keep seeing you pop up everywhere, but thanks for taking a few minutes to sit down with me today. And, and, um, yeah, no, I appreciate the invitation. So, yeah, you're, you're one of our favorite guests. It's, you know, it's, it's good to be in good with the convention promoters. So, So, happy to do it. Thank you. We we truly appreciate it, and and thank you, and best of luck. And we'll probably be seeing you in in a few days here at at Fanex. Well, I'm sure we'll be bumping into you at some point over the convention. So, but awesome. Well, thanks, thanks, Jeremiah. Really appreciate it. No, oh, it's it's my pleasure, and thank you, Dan. We we always love having you on the show. So, and you have been listening to Stolen Droids Presents. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.